Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 155 of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. And another week, Joshua. First of all, I wanted to congratulate you because I took time this past week to uh, switch into Bali because we, of course, get Bali down here in the south. And every day at 4 p.m. Central, y'all now pop on our television and we've kind of made you our national show in our sports office because we watch ESPN all the time nothing against ESPN, but sometimes you like to shake it up, mix it up a little. And so I said, hey, my friend's on this new show called The Rally. you got to check it out. So we've been putting you guys on. So at least you know for sure you've got like a few new viewers in our area. I absolutely love it. I got to go send a report back to the, uh, the suits now. <laughs> Let them know right, that we right? got some people down south because I had a couple people in Columbus uh, let me know that they were watching um, – Somebody told me that our show was actually on in a bar in Columbus. There you which go. I thought was cool. um, but yeah, now we got some folks down south too. So this is good. This is good. Well, that's what I was saying too, is because uh, when you have your Bali regional networks, which are all over the place, usually you have those, you know, games that you watch, whether it be the Columbus Blue Jackets or the Cleveland Indians or down here, it's like the National Predators or the Atlanta Braves. And so you turn on Bally to always watch those games. But in the past, there hasn't been that programming during the day or there hasn't been like really a reason reason to turn on Bally in that downtime. Well, now there's a chunk of time that you guys have brought new programming in that you can turn that on in the sports bar and maybe, you know, you're going over the, the daily topics and you can watch something in, in the hours that you usually wouldn't, or maybe you'd be on ESPN instead. So it's just a good, fresh, new thing to have. And for me, it's just all about options. And so it's nice to have another option now when you have that midday show. So it's kind of cool. Yes. Yeah. And that, and that was the idea. It's like Bally has so many, so many games on. Throughout yeah. the year, it's got more NBA games than anybody. It's got more MLB yep. games and more hockey games than anybody else has. But there wasn't any really sports talk show programming. It was exactly. just they were producing games. Um, and so, you know, it's it's a young look. So I think we connect with a lot of people who feel like they flip on other shows and they don't see themselves, which is really cool. But like you said, it's just another option, just another yeah. option for people to tune in and see some folks talking sports. Well, we also have a lot to talk about here. College football continues to be the offseason, but there's always something going on. Always interesting things to talk about. We've got the Senior Bowl, of course, coming up here soon. I know that's something that um, we've talked about in the past. Joshua, anything in particular from the Senior Bowl this year that has um, maybe is going to stick out to you? Um, no, I'm just I'm curious to see how the guys do. Like, this is – a fun event. And I was at the senior yeah. bowl, um, b- before the draft and I actually got hurt there. Um, I, I had a groin strain, so I went home and they mm. brought 
a replacement player in, but there's always a player or two at the senior bowl yeah. who just totally emerge. Maybe they were a small school guy. Maybe they were more of a rotational player in their lineup in college. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I also saw one of the quarterbacks there whose hands were smallish. And mm-hmm. that is a an annual Singer Bowl tradition for me in mm-hmm. the combine too, is this conversation about the quarterback whose hands are too damn small to play. Can't yep. grip the football. The Duke is too fat. His hands are too small. <laughs> he won't be a good quarterback. It's the most ridiculous uh, conversation that goes on before the draft. So I'm looking uh, forward to people dissecting the hand size of the quarterbacks. Oh, yeah, that could be a whole nother subject. Um, by the way, speaking of the Senior Bowl, I just thought about this. Uh, maybe I'll reach out to our boy Terry McLaurin and see if he yeah. could hop on next week and talk some senior bowl with us. Cause that's where he had his breakout week and really Seriously. like shot up the charts. I'll do that. I'll try to do that. He might be too cool now for me, but like, he's usually good about responding. So we'll yeah, do I'll that. I'm not good. Okay. You follow. Will you promise me you'll follow up? Cause I'm going to reach out yeah. to him today and then hopefully yeah. we can bring you a little Terry. And then we can also talk about just the spectacular, like career he's having. Cause he's one of my favorite people. Besides, yeah, I mean, we uh, just talk about that cat real quick. He came into Ohio State, uh, a very, very small frame guy. Yeah. Who was a burner. He could run his ass off, but he was uh, small. Yeah. Didn't have a football body yet. Sure. Um, used to wear eyeglasses, kind of look, you know, like a, a <laughs> you know, just like a, a guy. He's a very um, studious kind of looking guy, right? Yes. And the dude just worked. All he did was work his tail off. He went in the weight room. He was pushing around weights, trying to put some some body mass on. Um, he listened to any piece of advice anybody was willing to give him. He sought advice and then actually listened to it. He wanted to be coached. And he just kept grinding. And he became a rotational guy who was a little bit of a yep. gadget player because we knew he had a ton of speed and became a really good weapon for Ohio State on special teams because he was able to use his speed. And then as he developed into more of a football body, he was able to hit people with some impact. And then all of a sudden, he truly developed into a route runner, a guy who could not only take the top off of defenses, but was a really good threat in the intermediate and was somebody who you could use on a bubble route in the short game. And once he polished his game into being able to do that to where he was a threat in all parts of the football field, things changed rapidly for him. And it really happened um, like toward the end of his football career at Ohio State. Like it it was just all of a sudden he was on the scene. And you talk about that Super Bowl. He was able to really shine there because he was just the whole week just killing kids. Um, And then we see what type of player he's turned out to be. and I think paramount for him is if they can pair him with an elite quarterback, his yes. career path totally yes. changes in the NFL. Because as a receiver, you are literally at the mercy of who your quarterback is. Um, yeah. And that stinks for him because he's one of the best players in the NFL right yes. now. 
but he won't be able to shine like it until they get a guy out there. Well, I, I talk about that all the time. And look, Ryan Tannehill's like, I'm not going to put him up there at all with elite quarterbacks. But I always joke when we're in the sports office and, and whenever Terry does something spectacular, which he's done so many times with a, a different quarterback all the time, it seems like. I'm always like, can yeah. we please get him to come to Tennessee? Like, I'm like, can we please, like, like have him come to Tennessee? I would love to be able to cover that kid. Um <laughs> talk about that though like even just having a consistent quarterback that could right. continue to work with him right because they've just had injuries and issues in Washington and I just want to like like scoop him up and put him in a place where he can just elevate his game even more because he already is so fantastic and as you had mentioned his work ethic he oozes yep. that like he's just that kind of guy you want to root for and that's how I always felt coming out of Ohio State about Terry like I loved covering him in college but I just knew like he had that work ethic, and I I really only like have mad respect for those type of people, right? So yep, it's it's a good story. Okay, we'll try to get him on here because he'd be awesome to talk Senior Bowl stuff with, and just like I the agree. experience. Okay, um, I will then, reach out to him. You follow up. I will, and then at the end of this, I think we we ought to jump and and talk a little bit of NFL just for a hot sec before we get off of the show. Well, yeah, we, anytime we can add that on, you know, I'm, I'm ready to talk it. Okay. All right. So let's get into your conference, Big Ten. Recently, uh, we've talked about this before in previous episodes, but now it looks like things are starting to build some momentum here. So the Big Ten currently, as you know, has the East and West divisions, plays a nine game conference schedule, includes three cross divisional games. So Big Ten administrators have discussed potentially dropping to eight games beginning in 2023. And the reason for that is maybe to create some matchups with teams from my conference, the Pac-12, yeah. and yeah. the ACC. So they're they're working on this trio. They're co- trying to call it the Alliance. And I wanted mm-hmm. to get your thoughts on, A, if you see this really happening, and B, do you think it's a good idea? Okay, so um, let me just start by saying this. I have suggested numerous times on this show that the Mm -hmm. Big Ten needs to do away with the divisions. Yes, you have. I I think there is a competitive balance issue in the conference right now because of the divisions. Like, um, since the Big Ten has moved to East and West, the team from the East has won the Big Ten championship every single year. You've got Ohio State, you've got Penn State, you've got Michigan, you've got Michigan State, who are the teams in the Big Ten who would be in the top ten of the college football rankings, rather than a Wisconsin, who is a team that can make it into the top ten, but is more of a top 15, top 20 type program. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Iowa and Minnesota is really starting to build, but they, they're they not consistently a top 25 program yet, right? So the the idea that they would eliminate divisions i feel like should be a, a no-brainer and a given so i'm gonna jump off of that real quick <laughs> the big 10 should drop down to eight conference games and the reason i say that is because the sec refuses to add an extra conference game right. and and what they do in place of that extra conference game is they play an fcs team right they play a nobody yeah no, and no. It's not to say that the SEC won't schedule good teams. Like we, you know, Auburn came and played a night game at Penn State this year. Like, um, you know, 
Alabama and Georgia have some really good non-conference games that they have scheduled. So I do give them credit for that. But also, I take every bit of that credit away when I see New Mexico State or somebody pop up on their schedule. Um, So for the Big Ten, I think this is an opportunity where Mm -hmm. you remove a conference game, you can replace it with a cupcake, and then you still have three more games to where you can add a couple of strong non-conference games with a Pac-12 or an ACC, and then you can do what you like with that last game. I would prefer that it wouldn't be an FCS opponent because I I just, I don't like that idea. Um, If you want to go out and you want to really try to schedule aggressively um, to maybe boost your resume for a college football playoff, especially as it expands, you can do that. If you want to go out there and you want to put Akron on your schedule, you can do that as well. But just to me, it seems to be, especially with only four spots in the playoff, a bad idea for the Big Ten to continue to have an extra tough game on their schedule when the other conferences do not do no. the same thing. Right. No, and, and that's I, – I completely get that. I When I look at this and I look at what – all these other conferences are trying to do. I feel like they're just trying to find a way to like be better overall and try to have something in terms of a one-up on the SEC. Like what can we do to get to the level of the SEC? And I'm not saying the Big Ten is far off from that, but you you look at the national championships they've won. It's a lot of SEC teams, you know, and – I just feel like there's not a lot you can do unless you join them. Um, but there's things that you possibly can do in something like this. Maybe in when you're looking at it as a whole, you can make yourself stronger. So I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting thing. Cause I just feel like the sec has set the bar so damn high. Um, and they keep on adding, you know, they just added Texas and Oklahoma, which will be there soon. Um, it's just, it feels like it's always an uphill battle. Yeah. It, um, the competitive balance, right. For the big 10, I always talk about, um, geography and proximity to, to talent, uh, which the teams on the East of the big 10 are closer to better talent. Um, Mm -hmm. this competitive balance issue that we see in the South is 100% because, the players from Florida, Georgia, um, you know, Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi are better than players from Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, New Jersey, even though they're really good players in those states. Right. And so I think this is part of it is, is you have to do other things to try to um, even out that competitive advantage that they already have built in. Now, one of the things that we talk about is like Texas, for example, there's no reason that Texas should be as bad as they are. Texas A&M is whooping their ass in recruiting. Yeah. Um, but Texas A&M, you know, recruits top 10 classes, but goes eight and four every year on the football field. So they got to get that figured out. Um, there's no reason that a couple of the schools from your conference should be as bad as they are, specifically USC. Maybe oh, yeah. Lincoln Riley can help them out with recruiting because they've got great talent in the state of California specifically in Southern California, but there are some built-in advantages already for the SEC. So it is wise for the Big Ten to take away some of the 
advantages that aren't already yep. built in. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so speaking of the Big Ten <laughs> and a former Big Ten player that then went to the SEC and won a national championship there, he is all the buzz right now in the NFL because he's just doing things that are incredible. And we're talking about Joe Burrow. He is obviously an Ohio native from Athens, actually covered him in high school, uh, was able to, you know, see him there at Ohio State, but he was not the quarterback that was chosen to lead the program. That was Dwayne Haskins. And so I think a lot of people now that are even more familiar with Joe Burrow and his story, they're, they ask me all the time because I knew I was at Ohio State covering the Buckeyes at the time. They asked me all the time, like, what what is what went on there? Like, why wasn't Joe Burrow the quarterback? Because it's easy now to look back and say, well, if they kept Joe Burrow, they probably would have won another national championship in that time period. So with somebody who was there and who kind of, um, you know, knew about the situation and just knew about Joe Burrow coming in there, Joshua, I'll ask you, how the, how the hell did this whole thing shake down? Yeah, and I mean, and this is not an indictment on like Joe Burrow as a player, right. and it's right. not like an indictment on Ryan Day and Urban Meyer as coaches. Like I saw this tweet, and it just it really it was so dumb because <laughs> this, it was a you know it's a Michigan guy, and he's like, yeah, of course. Urban Meyer and Ryan Day sat Joe Burrow down and looked him in the face and told him he had no football future at Ohio State. Wow, and I don't believe that's what happened. Yeah, at all. I don't think so. Um, I 100% believe that Ryan Day and Urban Meyer probably said, listen, Joe, you do have a football future here, but you were banged up during the spring, during this competition. We feel like Dwayne Haskins has the edge. Now you look back in history and in 2018, Dwayne Haskins was phenomenal. He was a Heisman finalist, went and made that trip to New York. He threw for uh, nearly 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns that year. Um, He became a, top 15 NFL draft pick. He was a really good player. And people are like, oh, well, you know, Joe took a, a team to a national championship. Yes, in 2019. In in 2018, Joe Burrow was not the player he was in 2019. He played for LSU in 2018. He was good, not great. He was a, a, a quarterback that probably went on a lot of people's draft boards after 2018. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins was a first round pick after 2018 50 touchdowns 50 mm-hmm. that was I, I believe at the time that was a school record for Ohio State like he was a really good quarterback now Joe Burrow rewrote record books for college football in 2019 and that's where people make the the connection oh you know he won a national title probably could have done it for Ohio State he was better than Dwayne Haskins how could they have made that mistake he was better a year later people yeah. and, and that's yeah. the important thing to note there yeah. um, and I will say this even if Joe Burrow was Joe Burrow from 2019 and 2018, they wouldn't win a national championship because Ohio's def- Ohio State's defense was booty cheeks in 2018. In, in, in 2019, in 2019, Ohio State said, "Okay, we got to go out and we got to we got to get fixes on this defense." Exactly. And they, they hired Jeff Halfley, who was a an elite coordinator, yep. and it became yes, one of the best defenses in the country in 2019. But the 2018 version of Ohio State's defense was booty cheeks, okay? And so there, there are so many factors into it. It's not that they they made a poor evaluation on Joe Burrow. Like, it's, we, can, we can say this, and because it's true, that Dwayne Haskins was probably the better player in 
in yeah. 2018. Joe Burrow ended up becoming the better player overall. Yes. But they did not miss on the evaluation. They had two elite quarterbacks that they had to yep. pick from. Like, y'all can't make a decision whether you want to wear blue jeans or khakis in yep. the morning. And those are yep. not elite choices like Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins. So stop it. Well, I like that assessment of it too because putting yourself in that position as a coach, having the talent you had, but having to look at what you had at that very moment and who was the right guy for the job at that very moment was clearly Dwayne Haskins. It's easy to say now with the path that, you know, Haskins has kind of gone, gone down and the other path that Joe Burrow has gone down. It's easy, easy and lazy probably to say, oh, well, I mean, why wouldn't you have kept Joe Burrow there? Here's the other thing I'll add to that. I would probably guess that Joe Burrow also learned something and humbled himself and found another depth of push in him when he wasn't good enough at Ohio State. And he had to go somewhere else. And he had to prove himself in a whole different place. And I think that sometimes will light a damn fuse under someone who maybe hasn't had to deal with that before to take them to the other level. Because now I see in Joe Cool Burrow, like nothing phases him. It, it, it just, he's, he's one of those guys that like you call him cool because he really is. Like he always seems like he's cool, calm, and collected no matter what. But I, I don't, I'll bet that in that time of his life when things seemed chaotic, he didn't seem like things were that cool. And so I would say that that had a, a little bit to do with where he is now too. I would, I would tend to agree with that. Just the way that Joe was built. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that he, uh, you know, he really leaned into the fact that he, he didn't win that competition. He yeah. also probably leaned into the fact, and, and I think this is a, uh, something that needs to be mentioned in this conversation about, you know, oh, Ohio State, let Joe Burrow get away. Uh, for folks who, who maybe forgot about this too, it wasn't like Joe was choosing between LSU yeah. and Alabama yeah. and, you know, all these perennial powerhouses. LSU wasn't LSU no. at the time. No. It, it, they, were, they were struggling a little bit. They needed a quarterback. They, they were trying to find a rental, a guy who could play right away. Um, Joe was choosing between, I believe, Nebraska and then yeah. LSU came into the fold way late in the game. Dude didn't have a bunch of offers when, when he decided to transfer. Uh, and, and this was something that it was it, – I, I don't know if I ever told this because I, I got the, uh, the insight on <laughs> Sorry, how this came together. But, um, yeah, go ahead and get you some water. I'm choking on water. Sorry. Okay, go oh, ahead. Are you? My bad, people. Yeah, I was um, taking a drink of water. I hate when that happens, but um, Joe's got a uh, a football family connection at Nebraska, and so that one made a lot of sense for right. him to transfer there. But there was a guy named Bill Bush who was a, a an analyst at Ohio State. He was there um, my senior year, and I, I can't remember when he left, but he eventually became an analyst, or I'm sorry, he eventually became the defensive backs coach at LSU. And um, when Joe decided it was time to transfer, the uh, Bill Bush 
went to the rest of the coaching staff and was like, dude, we, we should like, we have to take a look at this guy. Like, I think we should offer yeah. him. Um, you know, he's probably going to go to Nebraska. I think Joe's like, I think Joe's older brother played at Nebraska. He's like, this is really the only offer he's got. Like, I yeah. really do think we should take a shot on this guy. I think he's going to be really good. I've seen him up close and they brought him in and they loved him and they offered him. Had it not been for Bill Bush, Jeez. who was an analyst at Ohio State, becoming wow. a, a position coach at LSU, Joe was probably going to Nebraska. And who the hell knows what he would have been? Because yeah. Jamar Chase wasn't at Nebraska. And and some of these other weapons, they, they yeah. weren't playing at Nebraska. And that was an ass program, too. Like this, I mean, there's so many things that had to happen for him. And this is not, obviously, not to discredit him because he's great. But, like... I mean, this this they could write a movie about his story of how he That's, ascended from yeah. a, a backup quarterback to a guy yep. who somebody felt like they took a chance on national title, potentially winning a Super Bowl. It's phenomenal. It is. And I, I think <clears throat> people also just kind of gravitate to him as a person because he just has this um, just crazy aura about him. Right. Like Tom Brady is Tom Brady, but it took him a while to be Tom Brady where people actually were like, okay, we like Tom Brady, right? I mean, I did not like yeah. Tom Brady, honestly, until he left the Patriots. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> I knew he was the GOAT, but I didn't like Tom Brady. I, I was like, this dude has no personality at all. And then he goes to Tampa Bay. I'm like, oh, okay, I can kind of like him now, right? Like, he can show a little bit of who Tom Brady is. Joe Burrow has been Joe Burrow since he's entered the league. Period. Right. And I respect that. And I think other people, that's what they love too. You're talking about Maddie, how she she's just like, yeah, he's just like so cool. That that's just like the that's vibe cool. he gives off, you know? Yeah. I mean, she oh. every time she sees him, she's like, Oh my gosh, that dude just looks so cool. He's got such a cute face. Like she thinks <laughs> he is the greatest thing ever. And it's it's wild because she watched both games with me over the weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. And She's like, well, she's like, Patrick Mahomes, she knows how good he is. But she's like, well, right. his brother gets on my nerves and I oh, hate his wife. Yeah. And he's got yeah, a funny too. sounding voice. And then every time she sees Joe, she's like, she's like, this is the guy who needs to be the face of the league. Like, yeah. he's so marketable. His Instagram is really cool. Like, he's just got yeah. this look about him. He's a very good player. We flip it over to the other game. She's like, <laughs> looking at Matt Stafford, like, okay, Matt looks like he's a 33-year-old quarterback, like, <laughs> He's good, but like that's definitely not like the face. And then she looks yes. at Jimmy G, and she's like, "Okay, well, Jimmy G looks like he could be something, but he also dates porn stars, and he's not." Thank good. you. Your 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 wife is literally everything she just said. I yeah. seriously yeah. said that, like when we were watching those. Like Maddie and yeah. I would probably be best friends because everything no, she just said, I would. Along. Yeah, I would literally yeah. that came out of my mouth to a T. Yeah, it's 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 so funny too. Like she's the one who needs to be in the NFL focus group. Like they should pay her. I'm, that's what I'm saying. But like, yeah, like you two would totally get along because like that is her commentary throughout the games. And you said it. Like she got it to a T. She she, she looked. She, she saw Jimmy G, and she's like, okay. And then she watched him play, and she's like, oh, this dude stinks, right? Yeah. And then and then she googles him. She's like, okay, Jimmy. <laughs> And then she just typed in G. She like, I can't spell Garoppolo. Yep. And then yep. she uh, she was like, is he married? And I'm like, no. And so she types in Jimmy G girlfriend and then sees all the part of the articles about how he dates porn stars. And yep. she's just like, oh my gosh. Yep. Like what the hell is going on? I know. I had that conversation in the sports office. 
just on Sunday. And I was like, what? I mean, I was like, this guy is a good looking dude. And man, what? I mean, can he make better choices? I'm not trying to poo poo on anything, but my goodness, some yes. of the choices yes. I'm like, yeah. come on now. You're an NFL quarterback, bro. You know, verbatim. She's like, okay, he could probably date whoever he wants. Like, That's what I said. An NFL quarterback. He is a good-looking guy, and his he gravitates his... naturally towards porn stars. <laughs> we talk about it all here on Press Pass, folks. Join yeah. the conversation. I mean, <laughs> I'm telling you, you will not miss out. By the way, and I was watching on the show, too, because I saw Brooke have the glasses, and then my good friend who works in Atlanta, she's ordered the glasses. We're talking yes. about Joe Burrow's glasses, if you have not already heard. I was just, like, really impressed that he recycled the glasses. Like, yeah. a lot of these guys are like, okay, you wear something once, it's like a, a $500 watch or like a $20,000 chain, and then it, you'll never see it again. And I don't know how expensive those glasses are. He could have gotten them on Amazon. But regardless, he recycled them. I was like, let's go. Yeah, we got the uh, we got the Amazon version of those glasses. Did you hear what he said when they asked him about his chain? Okay, I want to know because it kind of looked like the Nike looked weird. Like something about it didn't look right. Yeah, so... Um, they were like, is, is that a, are, are those real diamonds in your chain? And my boy said, yeah, these are real. I make too much money to wear fake oh diamonds. God. Oh, I my was God. Like, oh, shoot. Like, uh, and now, now I'm a, we talk about everything on press pass. First off the, um, the, the swag to just be in the press conference talking about, yeah, bro. Like who right? am I to wear fake diamonds? Look at how much money I make. And you think I'm going to be over here with a fake uh, bust down chain, like, duh. But also um, there was this, this interview that Whitney Houston did with Barbara Walters. And when I say the line, you're going to know exactly what interview I'm talking okay. about. Okay. But Barbara asked her if she did crack and Whitney Houston yep. said, she said, I make too much money to ever smoke yep, crack. Smoke crack. crack is cheap. Crack yep. is whack. Right. Yep. And so when he said, I make too much money to wear fake diamonds. My mind immediately thought about Whitney Houston Which saying, I make too is, much money to ever smoke crack. Um, that <laughs> so is so funny. That is really funny. I didn't hear that. But I'll say this. Maybe the reason why someone asked him it, I look into detail. I'm a detailed orientated person. You are a detailed person. Right. And so when I looked at the chain, like something was just off about the Nike swoosh. I don't know what the hell it was. Something yeah, was too many off. Diamonds well, in it. <laughs> right. Go back and look at the chain. But like something was off. So maybe that's why somebody asked him that. But oh, my God, that answer is great, though. I love it. I mean, yeah. what I are you going to say? He is. Um, he's he's probably had the best year out of any sports person. And I know that's a yeah. really. It's a really uh, bold statement. Like you could go with maybe a John Morant. Um, yeah. The way that he's playing basketball yeah. right now. Rafa Nadal, obviously uh, winning his his 21st major is huge. Um, so there are other people who are having really good years in sports. But I mean, for Joe, it has been phenomenal. Because here's yeah. a guy who had his knee rebuilt. Yep. Right. We forget, and, then, and a lot of people forget about that because it seems like it never happened. Yeah, I mean, the way that he's played. And, and so the conversation became, 
should they draft Penny Sewell or or should they go with Jamar Chase? Yeah. Like they don't want to get their quarterback killed again, but it's like the Bengals basically understood that it doesn't yeah. matter if you have offensive weapons, you're always going to be competitive in games. Yeah. And they were, but like they started off the year a little bit tenuous. They lost to the freaking Bears early this year. Like Yep, they did. You know, it was it was a team where people were like, "Okay, this is definitely kind of like a build." And they just kept fighting. They fought yeah. their ass off in Joe was huge the yep. whole year. And here we are. Like, literally, here we are. I can't wait. You know who I'm going for in the Super Bowl. And we'll get to yeah, some more uh, NFL talk. Or, yeah, we're going to talk NFL in just a minute. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I got to throw a couple more topics in this show sheet because there, there are a couple NFL topics we do need to hit. Yes, and we will. But real quick, I had to go from one swag bag to the other. Yes, because yes. Lane Kiffin, we've also said many times on here. I hated him for so long because of the dirty things he did. And then I was like, okay, now I like him. It just goes to show, you know, you change as you get older. But, you know, he cleaned it up a little in terms of, like, figuring-ish out and, like, decided to stay at a program and decided to kind of do things the right way out of getting out of the Alabama Hard Knocks School of Saban. Um, And so now Lane Kiffin is just – He's just doing his thing, right? And I got to give him respect because he's getting guys to Ole Miss. They're having, I mean, they're building on that program, which it's not the best program in the SEC. I mean, it just isn't. Let's just face it. There's other better programs there. But he's doing what he needs to do. He's staying there. He could have went probably to some other bigger program this past season or this last season. Now he is actually added title to his name because we all know and love him on Twitter, he is now the Portal King. If you watch the Tiger King during the pandemic, you'll know what I'm talking about. He himself has labeled himself the Portal King, Joshua. He just landed a USC quarterback in Jackson Dart um, and then a tight end, Michael Trigg. So they are coming from the Portal. I just have to say, like, it never stops here. And I just think he's going to continue to build that program up. I don't know how long he'll stay there, but I think they're going to just continue to be competitive. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Um, I think it's a couple of things. You mentioned the personality, and I think people want to play for a guy that they feel like is fun and relatable. Like, they don't want to spend three to five years in college around somebody who's a miserable person, which... I think um, when your head coach, and I'll use Urban as an example because he could he could really bog you down at times. Yeah. Um, they have to do a really good job of pairing the more you know lighter personality coaches on their coaching staff, which I think Urban really did, and, and so yeah. we always did have fun. But like Lane is the he is the fun king, right? He is the guy who is <laughs> fun in college football. But he is also an offensive wizard. Like, I I truly don't know if he gets enough credit in the conversation of elite offensive minds. Yeah. Like, and everybody was going crazy over Steve Sarkeesian when he was coordinating Alabama's offense. I think you can make a strong case that Lane Kiffin did more with less when he was Alabama's coordinator. They didn't have the quarterbacks that they 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 had these last handful of years. I got to look. Well, Joshua, he started it. He started it. Nick Saban didn't have that offensive mind. You got to remember Nick Saban's teams were built on defense prior to him bringing in Lane Kiffin. When they brought in Lane Kiffin was the start of the difference in offense there. 
And yeah. so Lane started with with none of that. He pretty much brought in what he needed to bring in and started that with Saban. Yeah, and then, you know, Sarkeesian takes over, um, and they've got, you know, uh, Tua Vailoa, and they've got freaking um, uh, Jalen Hurts, and they've yeah. got, you know, Mac Jones, and they've, you know, all these guys who are just really, really good players. And so, you know, Steve's getting a ton of credit for that, but, you know, they're, they're playing Blake Sims and Jake Coker, I believe, um, I got to look this up to make sure I got the name right. Um, at Alabama, while, while he's the damn coordinator, and it's like, bro, like, yeah, let me see this. He, uh, in 90, I'm sorry, why I say 90, in 2016, mm-hmm. he helped them win yep. the national title. Um, yep. That was, that was Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Because Jake Coker is not a name. No. Right. Like Blake Sims, who I played against in the uh, in the yeah, CFP. In 20, yeah. In, in the semis. I know I was covering that, that game. That guy's not a name. No. Like, so here's uh, in case anybody's curious, Jake Coker. And I'm not trying to, to crap on the guy because he was obviously good enough to play at Alabama and win a national title, which is a lot more than, than most people can say. Um, but he he transferred into Alabama from Florida State, uh, won national title and then. Arizona Cardinals, he was on the offseason squad, uh, probably a, a camp quarterback and like yeah. never played professional football yeah. again. Um, this is not to be disrespectful. Had a knee surgery. I know that's hard to recover from, but it's to say that he's not Tua. It's to say that he's not Mac Jones. Um, same thing with Blake Sims. He went to the CFL. Um, again, this is not to be disrespectful. This is just to say what it is. I just think it's really unique um, that some of these other cats get a lot of credit for being these wizards. Yeah. When Lane, like, literally making national championship offenses out of guys who couldn't even sniff the field at Alabama if they were there today. You're exactly right. And and that's it. That's why you say he doesn't get as much credit um, for just the genius offensive mind he is. I think that's a, a very, very valid statement. And also, it is always interesting because I think people who know the Kiffin family know, like, where he comes from. But his 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 father was completely off. Like, he was a defensive mind. Like, yes, and one really of the great brilliant defensive, defensive mind. mind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's so cool about that, too. It's almost like so, they had – they're both geniuses in their own right, but it was completely on the different sides of the ball, right? So do you think that this might have been a situation for Lane, though? is having a father that was an elite defensive mind, he could bounce ideas off of him. Like, Hey, sure. You know, how could, how would you as a defense, like what's the biggest weak point of this defense or what would you hate to see uh, an offense do? Or like if, if your defensive line is playing this way, what is the best way for an offensive line to play? Like um, I always say that if I got into coaching, I would, I would go to the offensive side of the ball. Because sure. offensive coaches get the promotions. Um, but also, I know what would attack defenses. I know yeah. what I would hate to defend. Yeah. Those are the concepts that I would run against defenses. Um, yeah. And so maybe Lane benefited from having a dad who was a great defensive mind so he could use him as a springboard for ideas when he's trying to innovate in terms of offenses. 
I completely agree with that as well. I, I would love, I'm really surprised to this day, Joshua, and Lane Kiffin, like I see him on the SEC network and he'll be on some of the shows there once in a while. No one's ever really sat down with Lane and given him the actual respect as a coach. Like, it, like, it, like have a conversation with him as an actual coach and like how he developed this, you know, natural knack for offenses and putting together schemes and like that's what I would love to sit down and like talk with him about is where did how did this all develop you know so, growing up with Monty you know um we're we're trying to get him um on our are show you that would week. be awesome yeah, if you did and if you if you yeah. do please like ask that question I'll, I'll send you I'll send you a text and I'm going to like there are multiple questions I really want to ask him um, because you know, it's, it's national signing day coming up and, and it's not yeah, a big deal yep. for, um, this, you know, the actual national signing day, but he's been explosive in the portal. And so of course you want to hear from him about that and what he's done, but you know, we always talk about how cool of a personality he is. Yeah. You know, like it, he'd be fun for the show, but there are those questions about, um, you know, how he has developed into this offensive mind and where the creativity comes from. Also, yeah like how he was able to elevate the the level of some of the players that he worked with before yeah. he was able to work with some of the more elite Matt Corral type guys. Like I'm very curious about that. I'm curious about his growth from being the Me youngest too. coach, youngest head coach in the NFL yeah. or whatever the case was. And, you know, having issues to yeah. now where he is a guy where I feel like a lot of athletic directors should trust him I do to too. run a top program in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. That's, that's the other one that I would always like love to touch on just because I, I've kind of just like grown with like seeing him develop just because okay. I remember, I remember when the Raiders hired him, I was yeah. in Alabama covering sports and he was at the senior bowl. And I remember seeing like a young, young, young Lane Kiffin. And I was like, Whoa, this guy's really young to be a head coach. And obviously we saw all the stuff that transpired after that. And it's been, I mean, I'll say this much. I mean, as much as I probably judged back then Lane Kiffin and didn't like him for several reasons, I I mean, that dude has sure like at least took it upon himself to grow from those things. Like he, you know, some people may have not have grown and may have not even been around in terms of coaching anymore, but he's, he did it. And so I have to give him respect for that because I'm sure that <laughs> that wasn't e- easy when you let your own ego get in the way for a long time. No, I mean, he's totally evolved. He was a 31 year old. Um, 31. NFL yeah. 30, 31. 31. Yeah. I mean, and, and so when you say, and this was in 2007, when you say yeah. that we have watched Lane Kiffin grow up, yeah, we have watched Lane Kiffin grow up. We've watched him evolve as a coach and as a person. Uh, and I, I just, I feel like he's got a really interesting story to tell. And I agree he with does. you when you say that folks don't necessarily tell the story the way it nope. needs to be told. Nope. That's why there's a lot of non-journalists out there that want to call themselves journalists. Sorry. Well, we can we can have another Sorry. podcast, maybe a different show about that, because that starts <laughs> to piss me off. Too. I'm always going to put my little zinger in there. You know it. Yeah. And I'm not even a journalist, but shit, I got respect for the game. You know, like hey, I, I just, I feel like do. there's a way to handle yourself. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Before we go, this might be an hour long podcast. We might break our own to. record. 
this is going to be. Oh, you all right. this. We're talking some NFL because we added it in last week and Joshua yeah. said, why don't we end the podcast with a little bit more NFL talk? Because we can only do it so much and it's the end of the season, the Super Bowl's about here and then we won't be able to yeah. talk about it at all. So let's talk about it. Okay, so the first topic is a is a crossover topic again, like the Joe Burrow topic. But Jim Harbaugh, the conversation Ew, yeah. is absolutely heated up. We we heard the rumors that the Raiders were interested in him. I don't know if I dropped this nugget here, but um, I have been hearing smoke about that situation since November. Yeah, um, no, you did say that. that. Was, yes, that was a situation I think that he wanted to pursue maybe a little bit more than the Raiders actually wanted him. But there was some mutual interest in that the Raiders have moved on, decided that they want uh, Josh McDaniels from the Patriots. If which, he shows up. Well, Lord. first off, because he, <laughs> I, I was on the courts. If you remember when he took that I job know. and then didn't take it. Um, yes. So yes, if, if he shows up, but also uh, we've seen this, let's try to replicate the Patriot way experiment. It never freaking works. The, the closest they got right. was Flores. Um, yeah. and they just say it was a personality issue down in Miami, I guess. And Flores is a really good coach. So that's still freaking mind boggling to me. Different conversation, different podcast, different day. Um, <laughs> so the Raiders have moved on. Now Jim Harbaugh's name is rumored for the Minnesota Vikings job where they're flying him out on Wednesday. Um, also the owner of the uh, Miami Dolphins is a Michigan man, a huge donor, who said that he didn't want to be the, co the the person to take Jim Harbaugh away from the Michigan Wolverines, but it seems like the Vikings might do that anyway. So maybe Miami gets, yeah. uh, you know, in the game here. But the, I guess the conversation, the direction or the angle I'd like to take it in is it's really late in the game. Like early signing period has passed. The yeah. traditional signing period is getting ready to pass us by as well. Jim Harbaugh is not just flirting with these jobs. He is adamant that he will be coaching in the NFL in my mind. Um, I mean, what does this mean for Michigan? What does this mean for that program? How do the players and coaches respond? Um, if he doesn't end up taking a job, how would you view his, um, his interest in actually being the coach at Michigan, his ability to replicate the success he had this year. Like there's so many questions about yeah. this because it feels so late in the game. Well, that's the kind of the issue with Jim is because I think people saw this coming and he really hasn't like, you know, said anything to reassure Michigan that this isn't happening. And now we're seeing it unfold and we all had a feeling that he could go back to the NFL. And we discussed this on the last podcast, just maybe the recruiting is not his thing for him being in the NFL and coaching pros is more his cup of tea, even though he had success at Michigan last year, it took him a, a long while to get there. And I don't know if he could sustain it, but if I'm Michigan, I'm in a little bit of a, my stomach's turning right now. Like my stomach, you know, like that nervous feeling when you get before like a performance or before you go on air sometimes, like in, in your, your stomach's all in butterflies and knots. Like I kind of feel like that about Michigan right now. 
do they, maybe they, they have a plan. Maybe they've had something in the works that they, they've already got their eyes on some people because they knew this was coming. But my biggest thing is like, you take a huge step forward this season. You're in the CFP playoffs mm-hmm. and then you lose Jim Harbaugh. And then all the negativity that surrounds something like that, when that happens, mm-hmm. the athletes then knowing Harbaugh's not the coach anymore, like that's a lot of crap to dig yourself out of. It is. And, um, you know, I, I think part of this is you, a lot of folks thought that Jim was just flirting with the NFL to try to get a yeah. better contract from Michigan. Yeah. And I could see that this isn't that situation anymore. Like, no, the flirting no. was the Raiders thing. Um, this this is a signal that he wants to be out. I and I, this is not saying that Jim Harbaugh is not an elite competitor, um, because I, I think he's one of the, the most competitive yeah. personalities. Yeah. In football, um, you can just tell that by the way that he behaves. But um, I think this is Jim also realizing the writing's probably at the wall on the wall a little bit. Like next year, I would be shocked if Michigan would go on to beat Ohio State and go to the college football playoff again. Um, They are losing a lot of really good pieces on both offense and defense. Um, I just, I feel like it's, they, they captured lightning in a bottle for a year. Yeah. Um, and I'm not exactly sure they're going to be able to pull that off. And I think Jim Harbaugh realizes that as well. Like he, he did what he came to Michigan to do with the exception of winning a national title, which, um, I think that would be an unfair expectation of him anyway, because their last national title, I I believe was a shared title in 97 when I was three years old. Um, so I don't know anybody would expect that out of Jim Harbaugh. Um, all of that to say, he gone. Candidates he gone. for the job, a lot of people like Mike Hart, who is a former Michigan running back. Um, folks question if he's ready for a head coaching job on this level. Um, I hate when people do that because I feel like, you know, if Josh McCown is getting serious interviews to be a head coach with the Houston Texans and he's never been a freaking coach before, um, a guy who is a football lifer who has been a position coach at two Big Ten schools and was a really great player at the school that people are rumoring him to be a head coach at, I feel like deserves a shot. Um, the other guy who I would pay mm, eight to $10 million a year to would be Luke Fickle. I would make that happen. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's the thing. And we've, we discussed that a little bit before too, is, is, you know, that possibility and nothing's, I don't think not a possibility in terms of him thinking about that possibility. If they were interested in him, maybe, he gives it a chance. Um, I know that he's an Ohio guy through and through, but my goodness, that's a pretty, that would be a pretty big job to turn down. Um, yeah. And just yeah. knowing, wow. just knowing like what you could possibly do at right. a place like that, right? Well, I mean, let me let me throw this at you. So I, I'm an Ohio guy too, through and through, right? And I, I love my university. Um, for eight to $10 million a year, Yep. My allegiances could change. This this is right? something where now the conversation becomes a little bit different because yeah. I'm I am now considering a generational right change to my family tree, my ability to provide and my ability to make sure that my kids kids are set up for the future. Like this is this becomes a little bit bigger than a rivalry. But also in Luke Fickle's case, mm-hmm. one of the things to consider is the reason why he probably missed out on the Notre Dame job. And this is not to disparage Marcus Freeman because I think he's going to be phenomenal there. 
he absolutely deserved a shot at that job. Um, but the reason that Luke Fickle's name was was quickly tossed out of that search is because he was adamant about not leaving his team during a college football playoff. Yeah. Yep. Notre Dame wanted to hire somebody immediately. Yep. Um, and so for Luke, I mean, I know she just went through all the signing day stuff and everything too, but the the way that the game is being played right now, if you want one of these big jobs yep. and a lot of people are, are firing at the very end of the season or maybe even in season, you might want to take this one right now if it's offered yep. to you. Exactly. Um, because you're not going to have to worry about leaving a team before a bowl game or before a college football playoff game. Yep. It's, it's like you said, I mean, yeah, I know that there's the, the late signing period and everything, but at this point, this is the time where you could maybe not feel as much pressure, you know, leaving your team during a college football playoff. I mean, that's a whole different story. I get that. And I respect that. But now you've got to think if this Michigan job opens that he's going to keep an open mind if they're interested in him, which I think they should be. Um, so should be. I think, we're going to have a lot to talk about here in the weeks to come because I think Harbaugh is going to eventually get one of these NFL jobs. And I think then the Michigan jobs can be open. So it should yes. make for some good talk, you know, in the next few weeks, maybe the next yeah. month or so. Yeah. What was you your other push, topic? The bow on this it. Thing to power. Um, but the final topic is uh, Tom Brady retirement. And I, I know that, yeah. you know, he said he retired, then he yep. said he didn't retire. Not he said he retired, but, you know, the, the sources said that he retired. Now he's saying, listen, I haven't said anything. This is day to day for me. But um, it seems like there is a retirement that is looming here. Yes. Some of the thought is that he might actually have a sponsored retirement announcement with, yep. um, you know, some money attached yep. to it. And that's why he hasn't officially announced yet. But, you know, since everybody is doing their farewell to Tom Brady, I would just like to say that I never had an opportunity to play against Tom in the NFL, which I lament because you just want to be able to say that you were even on the same field yeah. as the greatest of all time. Yep. What he was able to do as a player is um, unfathomable. And yeah. I, because I don't, there is not a more important position in sports than quarterback, but I don't think that you can have as much impact on the game as Tom Brady was able to have himself. He elevated the careers of so many different players and he, he changed the way that football is played from a defensive standpoint, from a rule yep. standpoint. Um, he changed the way that people think about building organizations, right? The Patriot way was, you know, Tom wasn't taking as much money as he probably could have. And neither were some of the other vets because they wanted to get quality people in the building yeah. and build a roster to win championships. It was so unique to me to watch it. And for somebody to, in year 22, to play as well as he did, Yep. I, I, I cannot speak to how difficult that is. I made it three years. My body betrayed me after three years. Yeah. This man made it 22. Congrats to the GOAT. No, I agree. And like I said, it I never loved Brady just in terms of he annoyed me because yeah. I think you love to hate some people. And I think with with he when he was with the Patriots, I just didn't like the Patriots and as much as I respected Belichick and and Brady for just what they did there, it doesn't mean I have to like him. But I always knew like Tom Brady was just a 
total different level of competition of the way he did. And, and what I did respect is the way that he did it because Brady coming out of college, you know, not drafted high, um, kind of a, a chubby kid, um, just a guy that had to kind of go through the process, had to be the backup. Um, and then obviously Drew Bledsoe eventually, you know, he got the job over Drew and then just to see how he continued to work, work, work. The one thing you just cannot ever, ever say about Brady is that he didn't work for everything. Like he didn't work hard for every single thing that he's ever got in his life, which, which includes all his championship rings. And that is a thing that you, I, like, how can you not say he's the GOAT for that reason alone? Like he's never had it handed to him. Like he's always had to work, 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 even in these later parts of his career he knew age was age. And no matter what people say, when you're playing football and you're playing something at the highest level, like age is going to catch up to you. But he continued to work so hard and to uh, uh, re restructure things and whether that be his eating habits or whatever you may, to, to continue to try to be the top of his game. And he just won another Super Bowl, um, you know, last year with the Bucs. Like to do that on a brand new team, it's like unfathomable. Like I can't even like words cannot describe what this man has done for the game and the standard yeah. that he set for quarterbacks. It's just incredible. And if he does decide to retire, which it looks like that's what he's going to do. Um, I hope to see him in the booth one day. Um, I, I think just having his knowledge and presence still in the game, it would be extremely valuable. Yeah. So we'll, we'll finish with this. Um, Tom Brady for for Michigan coach if if Jim Harbaugh leaves. Oh my God! I somebody else brought that up the other day, and wow. I was like, I had like this little smirk on my face, and I'm thinking, I mean, he'd be good. There's no chance he should do that though. But no, no, at least like wait a bit, you know, like enjoy time with. Yeah. That's what he's made. He's made clear is that he's. He's retiring if he does because of the family. Like he, he wants to spend more time time with his kids and and obviously his wife Giselle. And I totally get that. I mean, they deserve that. They deserve their his time and attention for a bit. But I don't think he's the kind of guy who you're never going to hear from again. That's just not Tom Brady. Like mm-hmm. I, I know competitive people when I meet him, and he's not going to just go off into the sunset. Like he's going to be involved in some way or another. Um even if it's not in the, the next couple of years, like he'll get back in it somehow. Yeah. I, uh, That's my opinion. I, 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 I don't think that he can, he can stay away from the game of football. Well, um, no. And some of us don't have the personalities just be like sitting at home every day or go golf. Like, that's just not like how some of us are built. Some of us like yeah, have he, to like have change and, and, and competition always around us. Right. Yeah, that's gonna be me. Yeah, I mean, I might be working till I'm seventy, so you might be seeing my wrinkled ass on TV when I'm seventy. Sorry about it. I'm not wrinkled. <laughs> At least I have genetics in my favor in that category. So yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh well, we end press pass on that note. I mean, if you didn't enjoy yourself during this podcast, yeah, you might want to go find another podcast because we just we just touched on everything from fashion to who to date and who not to date. I mean, come on. 
That's it. I mean, we, we do everything around here. We do everything. Um, okay. Where can they go to follow you on the social media platform, my friend? You can find your boy on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore J-E. Okay. You can find me at Kayla Anderson TV on Twitter, Instagram as well. You guys have a great week. Hopefully we'll have some new updated uh, news on the coaching situation with Harbaugh next week. Uh, and, you know, we'll talk a little senior bowl. We'll see if we can get our boy Scary Terry on. I'm not going to promise you anything, but I will damn well work to try to get it done. All right, folks, yeah. have a great one.